reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it that you shall not judge of all the earth, do what is just. And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five. Again he spoke to him, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. 
I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give food gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. I didn't tell the 8 o'clock people this, but a lot of uh, what was in my mind when I prepared this sermon was the unspeakable suffering of the family of Trayvon Martin and of so many black families who have not received the full measure of justice in our society going back 300 years. Here's the sermon. I spotlight the Hebrew Bible account of Abraham bargaining with the Lord over what will be done with the city of Sodom. This passage is a pivotal one in Jewish and Christian history, though not for presenting the temerity of the man presuming to negotiate with the deity, nor is it about a certain form of sexual practice. This is a legal proceeding. The English word outcry that comes before the Lord translates in verse 21 a Hebrew technical legal term. The ancient word was used when someone suffered an overwhelming injustice and cried out literally for legal redress the help that comes from a court that reveres justice, or if there is no such, then from the court of last resort, the deity. The term appears in the prophet Habakkuk at chapter 1, verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and thou wilt not hear? Or cry to thee violence, and thou wilt not save. Or again, it is in Job 19 at verse 7. Behold, I cry out, violence, but I am not answered. I cry aloud, but there is no justice. 
The same Hebrew word is in the courtroom imagery of today's Hebrew Bible lesson. The Lord said to Abraham, how great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah and how very grave their sin. Like a judge hearing a formal complaint of a serious sort, the deity launches an investigation. I will go down to see whether they have done according to the outcry which has come to me. So an outcry, a plea that justice be done, has come into the divine hearing and an assessment of the complaint must be made. A question intrudes from our culture. It is, what is Sodom's offense? Some Christians, those who think sex and sin are mutually implicated, believe the offense was the act given the name of the city in which it allegedly occurred. But equally plausible, and in fact more so, is the sin of inhospitality toward the sojourner, the refugee, the stranger, the immigrant. The laws of Israel obliged the people to extend legal protections to those without citizenship rights in remembrance of the dangers to which they themselves had been subject when they had been wanderers, exiles, fugitives. And apropos of the U.S. political discussions today, when Israel had been immigrants. The transgression of Sodom was the assault upon immigrants who, lacking the protections of citizenship, had no rights at all. That prompted the outcry against Sodom and the demand for justice. Within that legal and moral context, the point of Abraham, the defense attorney for Sodom, bargaining with the deity is this. The community's fate is not determined anymore by the number of guilty in it, but the number of innocent. This was a shift from the inclination to punish toward an inclination to forbearance, from revenge to mercy. It is a major theological, ethical, and legal breakthrough in the history of the Jewish and Christian religions and of their deity. Let's see how the point is made. The law court is convened on one of the hills east of Hebron. Down in the valley at a distance lies the city, oblivious to the judge who could bring disaster to it or to the defense attorney who tries to speak for it. 
the colloquy between the deity and Abraham is to be taken, by the way, as a paradigm concerning the judgment of our own communities and our nation under the cognizance of a just deity. What will happen to the nation or the community if the result of the divine investigation is ambiguous? Suppose a majority deserve punishment, but there is an innocent minority. The incumbent presumption was collective guilt. This had been applied to whole cities, towns, families, and unfortunately, I see collective guilt applied even today to families of the sick in Africa owing to stigma. But the outcome of Abraham's bargaining, of course, is that for the sake of the innocent minority, the city will be spared. And thus has the spirit of Abraham modified the legal outlook of the heavenly court. The cries for justice from the victims still register there, but something has shifted. The inclination to punish is moderated for the sake of the innocent. As has aptly been said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice, yes. But there is also an inclination to mercy, both qualities backed by the living God daily press their claims upon us.